Welcome to the Brothers in Faith podcast on St. Joseph Radio. Join Father Vincent Churicella and Deacon Michael Churicella as they talk about faith, family, and sometimes food. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to our Brothers in Faith podcast on St. Joseph Radio. You can find us and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and just type in The Brothers in Faith. I am Father Vincent Chiricella. And I am Deacon Michael Chiricella. And we are The Brothers in Faith. So let us begin with a prayer as we begin this podcast for all those that are listening. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In this month of June, we're dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So we just ask the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the merciful, loving Heart of Jesus, to bless our churches, our parishioners, all Catholics throughout the world, and all those that are consecrated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, as we ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So today, um, we, um, we're going to talk about vocations to the priesthood, the diaconate, and uh, religious life and single life, all vocations, but we're specifically going to focus on vocations to the priesthood because this summer, uh, our parish, the parish of St. Joseph's, and many other parishes have been blessed to have been given uh, seminarians that are studying for the priesthood and for the summer. So in our own parish of St. Joseph's, we have uh, Stephen Jankowski, who is in um, first theology, is going into second theology up at uh, St. Joseph's Seminary in uh, Dunwoody. And uh, so we've been blessed with him. He's here with us today on this podcast, and we're going to talk to him a little bit and a little bit about uh, his vocation to the priesthood. Um, of course, uh, we have my brother, Deacon Michael Chiricella, who who is living out two vocations, the vocations to married life and the vocation to the diaconate, and then myself living out my priestly vocation. And so maybe, maybe just to start the conversation, get this conversation going, let's talk about... Um, the positive influences maybe in our lives in terms of people that may have influenced us in our own vocations. We know that, you know, we need positive role models, right? Especially when we're, when we're deciding whether or not to give our lives to Christ, to follow him as a priest or follow him as a deacon or follow him as a married person, uh, we need role models to do that. And so um, one of the things that me and Stephen were talking about today was the importance of positive role models. So um, so you guys want to say anything about that? Maybe somebody that influenced you in your own vocations? Well, my vocation to the academic, I mean, when I was younger, uh, as a young boy, I wanted to be a priest. To me, the priests were, uh, were the rock stars. They were the rock stars, and they were really just, just uh, as, as I served on the altar as an altar boy, 
I just, uh, I had really just a, a bonding with the, with serving and and uh, and seeing these priests. And for me, really, the first priest that I really bonded with was a priest in our parish of a lady Montcalmo by the name of Father Francis Vavona, who was a pastoral associate at a lady of Montcalmo in the um, in the late seventies. And uh, he was so energetic and so vibrant. And what I, what attracted me to uh, the priesthood through him was the way he carried himself and the reverence he had for the mass. But he was always friendly to us, the altar boys. At that time, there was no altar sir, there was no altar girls. There was only altar boys, and he really went out of his way to to be a role model for us. And he was strict at times, but fatherly at times also. And he was really somebody that I looked up to and said, you know what? This guy's got, you know, he's got it going on. And I was very attracted to the priesthood through the way he conducted himself. And he was one of my early role models. And uh, I was asked uh, in eighth grade, the pastor of our, our church, Our Lady Montcalmo, Father Alphonse Sarnelli, and Father Vavona came over my mom's house, and they wanted to put me in Cathedral Seminary at that time, then pay for my high school education. And um, I said no. <laughs> I told my mom I didn't want to go to Cathedral Seminary, even though it was for free, because I was fearful. And um, really, as my life progressed, uh, I got, you know, I, I met my wife. I fell in love with my wife, Judy. I got married, but it was always something that I wanted to do. And how beautiful that I had the opportunity later on in life, at the age of 49, to enter formation for the diaconate. And I've, I've seen deacons in my parish conduct themselves uh, beautifully. Uh, and I, it was something I wanted to emulate. But I was invited. And you, my brother, my brother, Father Vincent, would tell me, you know what, Michael, I think the diaconate is good for you. You should try it. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you just look into it? You know, I was getting different invitations, not only from my brother, but from different people that I ran into. Uh, and I think what the problem is today is that we're not inviting the young men and the young ladies to a religious life. And there's no invitation there at all. And for me, the invitation was very important. I said no to the first invitation to, to go to Cathedral uh, Preparatory High School. But then I said yes uh, to the diaconate. And uh, I was so happy that I did. So, uh, yeah, that, that was uh, my story as one of my early role models. What I would have to say was uh, Father Vavona and then Father David Casada was another one of my role models in the, in the 80s. Uh, he became pastor of our church, of Lady Montcalm, and he was another person full of energy, full of vibrancy. So um, I was attracted to that, you know. So that's uh, that's really uh, where I went with the, my vocation, and I'm so happy that I said yes. Yeah. So then you had um, through altar serving, you had a positive experience. How about you, Stephen? Any um, any influence in your life in terms of you? saying yes to your vocation.
So with me, it also began with altar serving and it was as I was altar serving that I started to get these ideas of, you know, I want to be like the priest, but I don't want to be a priest. You know, growing up, I always wanted to either join the NYPD, the FDNY, or go into the military or possibly become a teacher. And, you know, it was definitely in altar serving that I got the gaze into uh, the priesthood. And I remember I grew up in St. Savior's Parish in Park Slope and Right across the street from St. Savior's, we have Methodist Hospital. Um, I think it has a new name now. And um, I remember growing up, always hearing the stories or even seeing our parish priests running over to the hospital when there was an emergency. You know, I remember hearing the story of our pastor at the time, Father Murphy, running over at like two in the morning to baptize a baby that was dying. And I really started, you know, thinking, wow, you know, what an extraordinary life, you know, just being there for the people, always being there, you know, always on call and not, you know, not having a nine to five job, but, you know, just being there for the people. And then I went into high school and I, I went to cathedral prep um, at the invitation of one of our weekend uh, helps at St. Saviors, who now is my professor up at the seminary. And um, it was at Cathedral Prep where, and all, actually, not just Cathedral Prep, but all of high school, it definitely saw the priest in a new way. I saw the priest more day to day. You know, at Cathedral Prep, we had Father Fonti and Father Caroli and Father Rodriguez, um, you know, teaching us, eating with us, you know, showing up at our games. You know, they were always there because that was their assignment to be ministering to these high school students. And also in high school, that's when I got even more involved at St. Saviors. I became the weekend sacristan. I started working in the rectory. I started to be able to see the current pastor, Father Frank Spacek and uh, Father Kevin Cavaluzzi, really on a more day-to-day -day, uh, function and see that these men are not just men you see on Sunday, but they're men, you know, they're ordinary men who just do extraordinary things. They're ordinary men who are in people's lives and help people. And that really uh, solidified it. And sat, growing up, you know, I, I didn't grow up with a father in my life. My father passed away right when um, I was born. And the priests really played an important role because they, in some sense, especially Father Frank, they became f like father figures to me, you know, and they helped, in a sense, raise me. So that definitely, you know, was a driving force to, you know, take the plunge and enter into seminary and start the discernment process. Wow, what a what a great story, and, and thank you for sharing those experiences. Yeah, me and uh, Stephen were talking today about, you know, how do we promote vocations on the parish level? And I think from what I've heard so far from both of you, it really is sometimes the influence of one person or one or more people that really, um, you know, give us that insight to say, wow, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can be a priest, you know? And so that's why I think it's so important uh, for us to, first of all, for priests to be joyful. That's the first thing, to have a joyful witness. And as you said, you saw in them a faithfulness, um, you know, priestly, um, priestly faithfulness in serving the people of God, a sense of joy, a sense of wanting to be with the people and serve the people. And I think, uh, yeah, for our young people that are out there, 
that uh, may feel that vocation in their hearts, uh, I think having a positive role model can really solidify that. Let's uh, move on maybe now. Let's talk about family influences. I mean, me and my brother have spoken about this before, how important it is for parents and the extended family really to try to uh, foster, you know, that atmosphere of faith in the home, you know, bringing the children to church, uh, praying together, right? Uh, Father uh, Monsignor Casado always says the family that prays together stays together. He got that from Father Peyton. So the family that prays together stays together. And also the family that prays together promotes vocations, really. Whether, whether, whether the child goes on to be a married person or a single person or a priest or religious, uh, that really real sense of praying at home and, and having a love and a reverence for the Lord. So, I mean, me and my brother have spoken about this many times, so it kind of would be repetitive. But um, did you find that, like, did your mom, mm -hmm. I know you said your dad passed away when you were young. Did your mom and your grandmother or an aunt or an uncle really, um, obviously your mother wanted you to be part of the parish, right? Mm -hmm. Because you were there altar serving and being sacristan, so... Yeah, maybe you could talk a little bit about that and why, why it's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my mother, you know, made it a priority for me and my brother uh, to make sure that we are raised in the church, to make sure that we received our sacraments, to make sure that we were going to Mass on Sunday. And even my grandmother, who um, was much uh, healthier when I was little, was a big driving force in that. I remember taught when I was three or four, we would be taking my brother to elementary school um, and then high school. And then she would always stop into one of the churches in the area to say a prayer or go to the daily mass. So I think that definitely played the influence. But even when I started, you know, thinking about priesthood and started pondering, you know, is this a call for me? You know, the love that I received from my whole family, the love that I did not get any, you know, setbacks from families. Like my mother did not say, I don't want you to do this. Or my grandmother was against it. They were all for it because they kept on, all of them kept on saying the same line. We don't really care what you do with your life. We just want you to be happy. Whether that's, if you're going to be married, whether you're going to be a priest, what whatever it is, we just want you to be happy. And I think that's probably a big Thing that's going on in our lot in our world today you know I think parents might be trying to get a little bit more too involved in their children's lives and that they want them to go on a path that they think will lead them to happiness when it really might not it might not be for them you know I hear a lot of stories of guys in the seminary who have parents who do not support their vocation where they've even thrown them out of the house when they entered seminary and, you know, it's 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 just it's really discouraging. It's really sad because, you know, for priests, and I think for everyone, our family is our roots. Our family is our backbone. They are our support system. We we need them to get through life. We can't just be out, uh, be without them. So I think it's really important for parents. It's really important for, you know, the extended family to really help and raise up and support who whatever their children are deciding to do with their lives, so they have that support system behind them. Yeah, I mean, 
the same here. I mean, with my family, when when I decided that I was going to uh, follow Christ and go to the seminary, I had to leave my job. I was uh, working in the medical field as an X-ray technologist. Um, so leaving my job, and then I had to leave home, and it was really uncharted waters, huh? When you joined yeah. the seminary, yeah, it's definitely you know a, a total abandonment in a sense, you know. You leave house for me. I was 18 years old. It was the first time I was going to be away from my family and really just kind of, you know, surrendering itself to the will of God. And, you know, it's tough at some times. It's, it can be a little lonely at times, but you have a great support system in the seminary with, with the faculty there. But more importantly, the fellow seminarians help, in a sense, create a new family for you in, in the church. Yeah, I mean, my friends from seminary, geez, we know each other 25 years mm -hmm. now. Yeah. So it's such a long time, you know? And um, yeah, those guys really became my best friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have my childhood friends and I'm still friendly with them and I love them. But uh, my friends from the seminary, we share just such a deep, deep friendship um and they really are so supportive of me so supportive of me and i'm supportive of them so i think you're right so the the friendships that you make in the seminary are really really important yeah so you know so okay so let's um recap what we said so far so first we need positive influences on the parish level we need good priests that are going to be joyful that are going to be encouraging that are going to uh, not necessarily uh, force it at you or throw it at you, but just live their lives in a um, in a way that evangelizes the children that are in the parish. So that I think is so important. Altar serving. I think the majority of uh, guys that are in the seminary were altar servers. It's a good majority. Um, I would say now, though, entering at 18 is becoming more of a rarity. You know, uh, it's it's a rare breed now in the seminary. So we do have some guys, you know, who say that their first time altar serving was when they entered the seminary uh, when they when they started. But uh, I still think a good majority of us still had that parish influence, whether it was altar serving or being a lector or working in a parish or something. Something there and the, just seeing the parish life really helps it blossom. You know, we uh, in the seminary, I think we all collectively say, you know, we deal with a lot of stuff that gets thrown at us and stuff that might beat us down. And we might feel like just, you know, throwing in the towel and go like, okay, God, this is not for me. But then when we get, when we go to the parish or we go to our assignments, you know, it kind of energizes us to realize, okay, this is what it's for. The people, it's what it's for. And the people really help it, shows the real uh, community aspect of our faith. Yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, on the parish level, yeah. You know, not only priests, but you can find also, like you said, to the people, you can find lay people that are so encouraging mm -hmm. to, um, to us. Uh, maybe it was uh, somebody that was a Eucharistic minister or a lector 
or in charge of the youth group, right? You could be influenced by the youth minister. Mm -hmm. My brothers have been in youth ministry for many years. Uh, sometimes a child could be influenced by the youth group, right? And find a good experience there. So we want to make sure in parishes that we are fostering an atmosphere of vocation, of having vocations. Um, I think I just made up a word, vocationness. <laughs> but having, <laughs> having vocations, you know, uh, fostering vocations. Um, so those, so those two things then: uh, positive role models, uh, good family support, and would you say um, anything else that comes to mind in terms of fostering vocations? In terms of, I know that the diocese does have many opportunities for young men that are thinking about priesthood. Mm. We have Project Andrew, which is an opportunity to uh, come and uh, ask priests questions over a, a, a dinner. Uh, Project Jeremiah is more for the teenagers. Yeah, Project Jeremiah is, um, yeah, that's more for teenagers. They spent, I think, a weekend out in Douglaston. And uh, yeah, it's more, I think, for kids from like 14 through 19. Yeah. And then we have, uh, I think, once a year, we have the Bishop's Vocation yeah. Retreat. Yeah, that's, that's I think, normally beginning of March. And uh, they go out to Huntington. And, you know, I went on it with Bishop DiMarzio, and I thought it played an important factor in, in my discernment. And uh, a lot of guys say the same thing now as uh, Bishop Brennan uh, conducts the retreats. Okay, so you went on it when Bishop Ma with Bishop Massa? DiMarzio. Oh, DiMarzio, okay. With Bishop DiMarzio. Okay, great. And how was that experience, the well, vocation retreat? You know, the vocation retreat is eye-opening because you realize, you see that there's guys that are your age or a little bit older who are feeling like the same way. They feel the same call. They're feeling that this is a possible life that they could live. And, you know, it was just more reassuring of, you know, have, knowing that the diocese is behind you. The diocese is going to help you, you know, figure out your vocation. You know, the bishop's behind you. You know, at that time, it was Father Sean was the vocation director, and he's going to, you know, help you uh, with whatever decision you're going to make. So I think that was really, it really uh, was an eye-opener for me. So when you first decided, so you decided when you were in Cathedral Prep. Yeah. Was it in senior year you decided you were going to go on to Douglaston? Yeah, senior year. Senior year. Okay, so you decided and you put, and who'd you go to when you decided? Um, the vocation? Yeah, who was the first person you spoke to? Remember? Well, I think when I was 14, 15, the first priest that ever asked me if I wanted to be a priest was Father Frank Spacek. I remember he just came to St. Saviors. Uh, I think we were, it was a funeral. It might have been his first one there. And he said, did you ever want to be a priest? And that was the first one. So I think that was the door opening. And then um, I, throughout my senior year, it was mostly Father Sean, the vocation director, who I was speaking to, you know, with uh, applications and trying to figure out what's the best, uh, best for me. Okay. So if a young man is listening and he's thinking about the priesthood right now, the best thing to do would be to contact Father Chris Betchy, mm -hmm. uh, who is the vocation director yeah. for the Diocese of Brooklyn. And you can probably find his information on the on the Diocese of Brooklyn uh, website, right? Yeah. 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 He also works at Cathedral Prep as and a he, teacher. Okay. So he's at Cathedral Prep's a preparatory uh, high school seminary in Elmhurst. You could probably get in contact with him there. So you would want to talk to the vocation director, have a conversation with him, 
and then he will be a form of uh, support that the diocese has in place for a young man who is thinking about priesthood. And even before that, you might just want to go to your parish priest. Yeah, if, if it's the best. If you feel comfortable mm -hmm. with him, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a good relationship with him, it might be the best person to talk mm -hmm. to. Um, so yeah, so you want to have those conversations uh, not and not be afraid, right? Because when you enter, when you when you decide that you want to go into the college seminary, it's not like you don't have to decide that day that you're going to be a priest. How many talk about how many years it takes to be a priest? Currently, uh, it takes nine years to be a priest, uh, or at least the track that I took. It's nine years, uh, four, eight years of academics four college, four masters, and then one year in a parish. Um, but now they're, they're doing some changes. And I think now it's going to be still, it's going to be eight, but it's only going to be seven and a half years of academics. I, I, I can't really explain the new uh, program. Well, uh, talk about your track. Yeah, but yeah. my track still right now stands at nine years. So I've done five years so far. I still have four more years to go. And okay. I still have the pastoral uh, year awaiting me. And what did, you, uh, what, what did you study in college? I know you went it, to St. John's University. Yeah, I went to St. John's and I, uh, I got my bachelor's degree in philosophy. Uh, in order to go to a major seminary, you have to have 30 credits of philosophy. Okay, so you, you got that. And then from there, you applied for the major seminary? Yeah, up at Dunwoody, St. Joseph's. Okay. And you were, obviously, you were accepted because yeah. you're here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you were accepted, and now you're studying uh, theology, mm -hmm. right? And with the focus on, of course, uh, uh, all kinds of subjects, right? Yeah. History, moral theology. Uh, Liturgy, canon law, uh -huh. uh, spiritual theology. Um, Spanish, Spanish, helping okay. with Spanish immersion. So they keep you guys pretty busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I don't think the regular layperson knows what it consists of to become a priest, to the formation of a priest, and how long it takes to become a priest. Mm -hmm. And I think it was very informative that we had this podcast for the people uh, uh, listening to us on this podcast to know what, what the Stephen's story is. And what my story was, and uh, Father Vincent didn't really get to talk about his story too much. But I know when Father Vincent first came home, when uh, he came home and he told the family he was thinking about becoming a priest and he wanted to enter the priesthood, we supported him a thousand percent. My mother, Michaela, my father, John, and myself, and the rest of our family were very, very supportive of him. And uh, maybe you could talk about a little bit about your your vocation to the priesthood, Father? Well, yeah, I mean, my biggest influences in the priesthood were um, Father Andrew Verano, who was the pastor of St. Francis of Paola in Williamsburg, uh, Monsignor David Casado, who is uh, one of my heroes, whom I love dearly, and is just a tremendous example of priesthood, uh, Father Joseph Fonti, who uh, another incredible example of uh, priesthood. So those guys uh, were my major influences. Um, uh, Father Verano, Monsignor Casado, and Father Fonti. And um, 
let me just, uh, as we're bringing this to a close, let me just say this. And I'm just uh, so blessed to have Stephen with me this summer. I have to say that I absolutely love being a priest. So if any young men listening are, are, are thinking about priesthood and maybe something Stephen said may have touched your heart and you really want to go for it, you really want to look into it, go to your pastor first, talk to him about it first, and then hopefully he will lead you to the vocation director and uh, take it from there. It really is a wonderful journey. It is a journey when you follow Jesus. It's never boring. Would you guys say you were ever bored? No. no. Exciting all the time. Uh -huh. It's just tremendous. So let's uh, let's uh, close this up with a prayer. Maybe Stephen can lead us in prayer. In the name of the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. We thank you, Almighty God, for this time in which we were able to talk about vocations and the many different opportunities our church provides us to live our lives. We ask that you may continue to bless our church with an increase of vocations to the priesthood and religious life and more well awareness to the sanctity of marriage, as well as those who might be called to single life. May we, no matter what we do, may we always continue to serve the church by serving our Lord. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And so we'll, we will see you next time um, on June 19th, here at um, Our Lady, Our Lady, oh my God, St. Joseph's Church, we're having a healing mass in honor of St. Charbel at 7.30 p.m. Then me and my brother, Deacon Michael, we're off to Medjugorje to pray for all of you in Croatia. So uh, keep us in prayer. June 21st to the 29th, we'll be in Medjugorje asking Our Lady to really bless all of you that are our listeners. Thank you, and we will see you next time. And we are the Brothers in Faith. Bye-bye. Take care. God bless you. Bye.